Hello everyone and namaskar. So today's podcast is a reading of the book titled Idea and Ideology. And this is a reading of the first chapter titled Sanchara and Prana. The centrifugal activity of the macrocosmic nucleus is known as sanchara. Hence this nucleus or purushottama is the witnessing counterpart of the objective macrocosm. Purusha or shiti shakti is pure consciousness. Hence, its activation without the presence of a second principle is impossible. Action results only when prakriti, the inherent tendency of the transcendental purusha, gets scope of expression. The two factors, purusha and prakriti, though dual in theory, are singular in spirit. Their collective body is just like that of fire. One cannot think of fire without its special thermal value. In the same way, one cannot think of Purusha without Prakriti in the collective body of Brahma. Prakriti may be defined as an attribute of Purusha. Where there is no express activity of Prakriti, that is, where activity appears to be in a dormant stage, Purusha remains objectless, or Nirguna. This Prakriti is also a collection of three eminent principles the sentient or sattva, the mutative or raja, the static or tama. The sentient principle is the cause of the pure eye feeling. The mutative activates this eye and transforms it into the doer eye. And the static causes the mutative ego to imbibe the results of the actions of the doer eye. That is, by creating the done eye out of the doer eye. Prakriti is a collective name of these three principles. In Irguna Brahma, the activity of Prakriti is in a dormant stage. She cannot manifest herself, though the eternal flow exists. Thus the flow of Prakriti means the flow of three belligerent forces, the sentient, the mutative, and the static. Mathematically speaking, this fight results in a triangle of forces. Purusha or Shiva, at this stage, gets encircled by Shivani in the form of a triangle of forces. In parentheses, here Prakriti is called Shivani. The resultant of the internal clash and cohesion of the three imminent principles of Prakriti comes out from a point in any one of the vertices of the triangle of forces. The Purusha or consciousness at the vertex were from the resultant came out is known as Shambhu. And the central point of such a triangle of forces is known as Purushottama. That is, Purushottama is the subjectivated Shiva. This Purushottama is the nucleus of all the creative principles. Movement which starts from Purushottama as a center is an exterior one, essentially centrifugal in character, and undergoes a change from the subtle to the crude. Sanchara is the name given to this particular movement in the spiritual philosophy of Anandamarga. It comes out from Shambhu as a never-ending process. The vertices of the triangle of forces are points having certain positions but no absolute movement. It is a stage of stagnancy and hence dominated by the static principle. The static force is a crudifying factor. That which overcomes the static force and causes a stir of expression 
on the static seed must be logically and scientifically not only unfathomable in gravity, but also sentient in tendency. Therefore, Prakriti, expressing herself in the form of the resultant force due to which Sanchara starts, is sentient, though rudimentally static, and inculcates in Purusha the eye-feeling. It is pure eye-feeling because sentient Prakriti cannot go any further. In philosophy, this stage is known as Mahatattva. In cosmic life, this Mahatattva is nothing but the cosmic eye. This is the first bondage of Purusha by his innate sentient Prakriti. This bondage, though located in a microscopic fraction of his universal body, is not felt as a bondage because of its looseness in character. Hence, it may be defined as merely theoretical. The Purusha and Mahatattva undergoes only the slightest metamorphosis. As the movement of Sanchara proceeds further, sentient Prakriti is gradually transformed into the mutative principle, owing to internal clash. This mutation causes the feeling of second subjectivity, and so the cosmic eye gets metamorphosed into the cosmic doer eye under the influence of this mutative principle of Prakriti. This cosmic doer eye is known as Ahantatwa. Here the bondage of Prakriti on Purusha is more prominent than that in Mahatatwa. But it is still subjective, second subjective in character, because Purusha, even under such a condition, gets no objectivity. This bondage of Mahatatwa is therefore more or less a theoretical concept. Ahantatwa, from a psychological point of view, is the activated counterpart of the subjective eye, the act of subjectivation being brought about by mutative prakriti. The metamorphosis of Purusha in the Ahantatwa is still highly subtle, because even at this stage, no objective entity is created. Ahantatwa exists only in the subjective strata. As the static principle starts its domination, Ahantatwa gets objectivated. And this cruder stage in the process of sanchara is known as chitta. Objectivation takes place because the static principle influencing ahantatwa forces it to assume the form of the result of the final activation. It is the cosmic subjective eye which, after being partially transformed into the cosmic doer eye, is finally forced to convert a portion of it into the cosmic objective eye. Here Purusha undergoes an objective change, and so the metamorphous stage is an objectivated form of the subjectivated eye, and also of supreme consciousness. It is not only that the cosmic doer eye has performed a psychic function under the influence of mutative prakriti, but a portion of the doer eye, or ahantatwa, has imbibed the result of its own action, and thus gets subjectivated under the influence of static prakriti. Here Purusha feels the bondage as an objective reality. The influence of the static principle is the cosmic chitta. This chitta is an objective reality, its immediate mental subjectivity being the ahantatwa, and supreme mental subjectivity, the mahatatwa. Mine is a collective name of mahatatwa, ahantatwa, and chitta, its subjective counterpart being the cosmic Purusha. The process of sanchara still continues 
under the gradually increasing domination of static Prakriti. Exactly as Purushottama was metamorphosed into Mahatattva, Mahatattva into Ahang Tattva, and Ahang Tattva into Chitta, owing to the influence of one or the other aspect of Prakriti. Chitta, under the influence of static Prakriti, gets cruder, and at a later stage is transformed into the ethereal entity. The pressure and domination of the static principle continue increasingly, and as a result of this increasing external pressure, the external space within the structural scope goes on decreasing gradually. There is also simultaneous increase in chemical affinity. The gradual crudification results in four specific factors other than the ethereal one. They are the aerial, luminous, liquid, and solid. The solid factor is the crudest manifestation of the cosmic chitta. And here the pressure of the static prakriti on the cosmic chitta reaches the zenith of its capacity. The external pressure of the static principle on the aforesaid five factors is known as bala. As a result of this bala, two opposing forces developed, one centrifugal and the other centripetal in character. The center-seeking or interior force tries to maintain the structural solidarity of the object, while the centrifugal one has a fissiparous tendency. That is, it tries to split up the object into thousands. The collective name of these exterior and interior forces is prana, or energy. Every solid factor, therefore, possesses prana. Prana is the external game between the cosmic cause and its crudest effect. In prana, there exists an internal clash in which either or the aforesaid active forces may win. If the interior forces win, that is, if the resultant force created happens to be interior in character, a nucleus is formed within the solid factor. Under such a circumstance, a solid structure is created, and maintenance of its physical solidarity depends upon the bala or external pressure. But if the exterior forces win, the resultant exterior cannot form any nucleus within that physical structure. The resultant interior force is, therefore, the only factor that can create a nucleus within a solid body, and thereby maintain its structural solidarity. Even if the structural solidarity of the unit be maintained, there can be spaces or portions within the unit structure where the exterior forces predominate over the reacting interiors. In such a portion, dissociation occurs, and the portions under the influence of a resultant exterior force get detached from the parent body. This is where inter experienced in our unit structure. The physical deficiency caused by this wear and tear is compensated by the prana we acquire from food, light, air, water, etc. The solidarity of our composite structure remains unchanged in spite of this wear and tear as long as the nucleus remains under the influence of the resultant interior force. Let us see how life gets expression within the physical unit structure. These physical structures are composed of five fundamental factors, ethereal, aerial, luminous, liquid, and solid. And so, for their own existence as unit structures, they must have the controlling nuclei of the respective factors within their composite body. 
all these factors should remain in requisite proportion. And on the mutual cohesion among these factors depends the resultant interior, or the prana. The controlling nucleus of all these fundamental physical nuclei is the controlling point of the collective prana. This collection of prana is called prana, or vital energy. The wear and tear within a physical structure results in the deficiency of some factor or other and may also tell upon the resultant activity controlling the subjective nucleus and maintaining structural solidarity. Now, if the deficiency caused thereby is not adequately compensated, and if the requisite proportion of any factor or factors is not met, the resulting interior will begin bearing an intensity, and the unit structure may lose its solidarity. Logically, therefore, it may be concluded that for the physical unit structure, an environment is essentially required where all these five fundamental factors are available in requisite quantity. Life can get expression only under such a condition. For the manifestation of life, therefore, a congenial atmosphere is a fundamental necessity. Hence, it may be concluded that the resultant interior force expressing itself into life under a congenial environment is what is known as prana or vital energy. In Sanskrit, this term is always used in the plural number because it is a collection of ten bayus or ten important forces working within or without the physical structure. The manifestation of prana depends on two essential conditions. First, the resultant of prana must be an interior force. And secondly, there must be a congenial environment. For want of a congenial condition in the present-day world, a number of giant animals of the remote past have either been transformed into smaller species or vanished altogether. Even if the resulting interior be the winning factor in prana, the physical structure will split up into innumerable subtler particles if the atmospherical condition be not congenial to the expression of the vital energy. In the absence of a proper environment, life does not get an expression. But static prakriti continues exerting external pressure or bala on the unit structure. Consequently, a stage will come when there will be little interatomic space within the solid body. Now, if static prakriti exerts more pressure, there will be a tremendous reaction within the physical body, affecting both the interior and the exterior forces, resulting in structural dissociation. This is called jadasvota. Jadasvota occurs only in dead or dying celestial bodies. In a living celestial body, the existing congenial environment will cause transformation of prana into prana. This eliminates the chance of jadasvota. These jadasvotas can be instantaneous or gradual. Conditions for its instantaneous occurrence have been described above. But if, due to exterior forces of prana, dissociation occurs gradually in some portions of the structure, the phenomena of bursting up become gradual. Due to jadasvota, gradual or instantaneous, the component factors of the physical structure get dissociated into the five fundamental factors. This phenomenon of retracing back in sanchara is known as negative sanchara. In the process of negative sanchara, the component factors cannot dissociate into factors subtler than the ethereal, as that will mean the ahantatwa withdrawing its eternally active thought projection.
and this withdrawal by the cosmic eye would mean suspension of the cosmic mind, or cessation of microcosmic activity, or the end of creation, as creation itself is only a thought projection of the macrocosm. Bursting up is not a phenomenon of withdrawal, but a steering up of the thought waves due to the excessive pressure of static prakriti. And the fact there are factors resulting from the dissociation find their identity in the five fundamental factors, solid, liquid, luminous, aerial, and ethereal. In this way, the journey of evolution continues eternally according to the divine urge of the macrocosm, and there is no chance of the so-called thermal death of the universe. May 27, 1959, Jamalpur. Thank you.